Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon, a Song of Ice and Fire, episode 64. John, 10, in a storm of swords. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. You might know me from the internet as Lies and Arbor on Twitter, Tumblr, and liesandarborgold.com. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. You might know me as Glass Table Girl over on Reddit or the Mason Monthly Podcast. Maybe you know me as Arithmetric over on Twitter. Maybe you don't. That's fine, too. I mean, some people don't. They don't. Good. Good. But we do have someone who might know who you are, Eliana, thankfully. On with us today, we have a guest this week. We talked about it last week. You might know him from a podcast called Davos Fingers. Hey, Matt. Toodaloo! <laughs> uh, in our uh, our notes, I was very excited to just write onion emoji yeah. repeatedly. I don't think there is an onion emoji, but I wrote it. Believe me, there's not. I've looked. You've looked? On a number of occasions. <laughs> I keep checking back for updates. That would be a good addition to your aesthetic. Yep, it really mm. would be. Onion, yep. onion, onion. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me, ladies. I really am excited about this opportunity. I don't guest a lot on other podcasts, so this is a really? lot of fun for me. Yep. And we just kind of like assumed you were going to say yes, so you might not have said yes is what you're talking about. Um, well, my fee is really high. So, well, our executive producers take care of that. Right. Yeah, my people are in touch with your people, but you might not eat next month. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's my cats, so they might not eat next month. Who's <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> what is a Matt's like producer? Do you have cats? Is this your children? Are your children treating with yeah, the cats? Your children are. That's it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get any business done this way, you guys. Mm mm. Uh, Matt, tell us where we can find you guys online. I know you guys have a Podbean, obviously, and a website. Yeah, we're uh, all our all our episodes are hosted from um, Podbean, and you can actually get to the episodes from DavosFingers.com. Then click on the Listen tab, and you'll be able to find all of our episodes there. I think we're up to like eighty five episodes or something Damn. terrible like that. Yeah, um, Twitter is at DavosFingers. We're on Facebook. Uh, and then where else are we? Our email address is wearedavosfingers at gmail.com. And we do have a Patreon program. So patreon.com slash davosfingers. Now, you guys are the ones, man. Davos Fingers, like, you guys did it. Oof. Yeah. They crossed the finish yeah. line. They finally did it. And You are what we all look up to. Actually, <laughs> though. No, but actually... <laughs> Someday. Well, Someday. yeah. Now we're all, and now Scott and I are, are standing around like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> so, what do we do <laughs> now? Um, we were just talking on Twitter the other day about how, like in 2014, when we started this thing, we were like, yeah, so we'll probably be like in the middle of Feast for Crows or something oh, no. when Winds of Winter comes out. So it'll be perfect. <laughs> and then by the time we get done with Winds, I bet Dream will be close to being out too. It's going to be awesome, guys. <laughs> Uh, so sweet sweet summer children yep, now here we are like okay um, let's do chapter by chapter through a world of ice and fire and then- <laughs> <laughs> what if we did page by page yeah. actually and just really get in there <sighs> no but we're having a lot of fun it's led to some really cool discussions for us because Scott and I have always just been like okay what are the next block of chapters and it's always just been really simple of what we're going to do next and now it's been fun to actually think about what do we want to talk about what's ground that maybe hasn't been covered or that we feel we can cover in an interesting way and uh, it's been really cool so we're excited about the future the choosing has always been hard yep (laughs) Mm. Mm. 
Chloe's about to fire me. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you've done all of these chapters already because you thought you would be having the new book already. <laughs> and you actually covered these chapters about like three years ago oh my or gosh, so. Yeah. And um, so I was just wondering, like, there are some things where you and Scad like disagreed on things. Like, we're going to talk about how John should he have killed Mans? Maybe not. I don't know. But also, like, has your view on that changed? Are we reading this chapter three years later? Is there anywhere else where you feel like coming back to this chapter, you're like, oh, I feel really differently about this now as a person who has grown a lot in the past three years because the next book isn't out. Yeah, I've I've lived some hard years between now and then. Yeah. No, but uh, I went back and listened to Davos Fingers' coverage of this chapter, and I was surprised at how, like, antagonistic and Scott and I were towards each other back then. We've really cooled out, but <laughs> <laughs> we were at each other's throats a lot of the time. It was so fun. And Brooke, our previ- uh, another co-host who's gone on to other bigger and better things, used to just sit back and just laugh at us. But um, I do feel, just laugh at you. I do feel <laughs> a bit different about this now. Um, no, to answer your question about Mance and John killing him, no, John should not have killed him. Good job, John. Uh, but <laughs> I definitely enjoy looking at the similarities now between John and Mance, and, and maybe we'll get into it more as oh. we discuss the chapter. But it's fun to take a step back and look at their character and their motivation, which is something I don't think I was doing as much of three years ago. So, looking forward to this. Yeah, I I think it's cool to have like John's overall thing always being what would Ned do as that kind of beat in the back of his head. And, you know, he wasn't able to kill Egret. He knew he wasn't going to be able to kill Mance. Uh, it's an interesting way to look at John's character. It is. I, I felt differently about John before we started reading him this way. And now I'm like, whoa, everything is very different. It's it's an interesting, interesting read. Oh, that's awesome. That is one of the really cool benefits of doing the reread the way you two do it. And what I love about it is being to really dive uh, into the character's motivations and stuff like that. So thank you, gals, for doing what you're doing. It's important stuff. Yeah. Well, we Is had it? to spin it some way. <laughs> is it important stuff? <laughs> it really is. It really, really is. Speaking of important stuff, we did get a Podbean comment. We did. And- uh, from Craig Mulvey. Would you like to talk about it, Eliana? Yeah. So thank you, Craig, for bringing this important. This is important stuff, in my opinion. Comment. Breaking news. Eliana's a fake nerd girl. <laughs> oh my god. So, Gr- Craig asked, uh, in regards to An American Tale starring Fievel Malskowitz, whether or not it was actually Fievel who said that line. And yes, Craig brought up, I thought it was the revolution leader. She shouted, we'll waste the secret weapon, which also I think Scad quoted on Davos Fingers the he other did. day or like on his personal account. I don't remember as he's going on like a road trip, which yes, yes, Craig, you are right. It is the revolution leader. My, again, I don't remember shouting this all the time. My mother says that I did this and I watched this movie. I don't know, literally like <laughs> Not even half a lifetime ago. I was thinking half a lifetime ago. It was maybe like three-fourths of my life ago. Wow. I'm sad. It's just the way it should be. Well, this isn't the series that's going to cheer you up, unfortunately, (laughs) but it's the series we've got. It is. The Stark children all singing somewhere out there to one another. (laughs) It's true, though. You know it's true. Or uh, there's that song from the Stuart Little movie. 
on musical. Know. Oh, wait. The You're Where I Belong. Oh. I don't know that yeah. one. I didn't watch the Stuart mm. Little, You're the musical. Uh, I don't know, like singing about his home and crap. We sang it in choir one year for some reason oh. or another. Yup, don't know why, but we did. So now I'll never forget it. Mm, the things we're learning. <laughs> yup. Mm. <laughs> well, let's learn some more. We're going to jump into our lightning round. Are you ready for your first lightning round? Matt, is this, are you excited? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <pumped>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it's a really short lightning round. So uh, let's pop it off. Tyrion 10, you raped her. You murdered her. You killed her children. Daenerys 6, betrayal. <laughs> Daenerys must pass hard judgments against those that swore to never defy or fail her. Jorah. Mm. Jamie 9, after watching Tommen hold counsel, Jamie watches Arya Stark depart for the north. And then Cersei and Jamie have a long-awaited talk. Really good job. Thank you. Good job. Thank you really just you got through it. The material was it. excellent. Thanks. Mm. I give it five stars. <clears throat> that leads us to John Ten. John is taken from his ice cells to present himself to Janos Slint. Traitorous bastard, oathbreaker, damned. damned. Janos commands him to prove his loyalty by meeting with Mance Raider and killing him. But the tables turn when Mance tells John he knows the state of the Watch and threatens to blow the Horn of Winter unless they accept them into their protection. When hope looks lost, a mystery army arrives to save them from the ever-strong wildling armies. The knights begin to shout, Stannis! 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 Oh, I thought you were going to start <laughs> saying it all in a different way, but... No, I don't know. In a lewd Stannis! Way. Yes, like that. That's oh what God. we were thinking. That is what, what I was we thinking. thinking. Oh no, you guys are going to get the dose of the Davos fingers toilet humor. Yeah, here we go. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, we're ready. <laughs> so the chapter starts off with the wind was blowing from the east and... I don't know, I just like yeah. focusing on George's first few lines, and it's not foreshadowing, but it is interesting how many things are coming from the East throughout this series, but even within this chapter, like Stannis' army and Cotter Pike later. Yeah, it was hard for me not to drop the whole first quote. I've been doing that lately because each John chapter has like just like a gorgeous intro of some sort yeah. of haunting prose. Isn't it interesting? Oh my god! Like, oh, this is beautiful. Thanks, George. That last line of the paragraph where he says, "Across the killing ground, he could see the glimmer of a thousand campfires burning, yes. but their lights seemed small and powerless against such gloom and cold." Right? Oh, and we're not so we're good. not just talking about the gloom and cold of the weather. Right. No, the other the hopelessness and, of the situation. That's beautiful. And that whole idea of you know th things coming from the east, it, it does work because if you keep going northeast, you're going to get hard home as mm. well. And so I, I think you're onto something. There. I was thinking definitely things from the east. Danny's army, also of course, but mm. yeah, much later on, mm. especially helping with the others. And um, yeah, coming back to what Matt was saying about the language just being so good, it reminds me. I think recently, right, George at Worldcon. Or in one of the interviews that have come out around the time of Worldcon was talking about how, like, yeah, some of the, my favorite things that I wrote are things that, like, weren't action things. They were just, like, I don't know, nature. And yeah. he's mm -hmm. just really Setting proud of how well he can do that imagery. And I'm proud of him as a person who gets to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his food. Mm. Oh, my gosh. George is, like, prose king, for sure. Prose, prose cow. Feast for feast. 
We should yeah, plug that again someday. someday. We, we keep forgetting to plug it. We have pros. any account because we can't have a YouTube Fuck, account. Fuck, you're now. right. Free Girls Gone Cannon. Uh, <laughs> so John rides the winch up from his ice cell and he's ready for another uh, serving of Janos' judgment. The day is super grim and he thinks that when it's over, his name is going to be cast in shade forever. Mm-hmm. I think we should make Matt read this quote aloud and you do... The John voice, because I will never let you not do it. Oh, there's no John voice. Right here. Oh, there's only right here. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's fine. Okay, should we do it? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. Bastard children were born from lust and lies, men said. Their nature was wanton and treacherous. Once John had meant to prove them wrong, to show his lord father that he could be as good and true a son as Rob. I made a botch of that. <laughs> it's great every single time and I have the same reaction every time <laughs> I, I try I listen to your episodes and I'm like I'm ready for it I love Chloe's voice but I'm gonna hold it together and I didn't <clears throat> Rob had become a hero king if John was remembered at all it would be as a turncloak an oath breaker and a murderer he was glad that Lord Eddard was not alive to see his shame is this Motions towards butterfly foreshadowing. Just, just put it out there. Oh boy, it could be foreshadowing. Oh boy, is it foreshadowing? We don't know. Hmm. Is John's plot just going to be his first plot all over again? We don't know. Turns out, John, as a sad emo boy, was never going to change. He was always going to be that. Yeah, and that's the kicker, right? Yeah, he's always making the tough decisions. Mm -hmm. And closing the whole loop that Eddard opened. Right, yeah. Fuck. Bummer. Just bummed. Just a little bummed. I like it's going to be so good to read this whole story when it completes, but it's just like seeing all these sad things. I'm just like, oh man, John. (laughs) Why can't John just get a hug? Like that's, someone hug him. Just like if that would be a nice chapter. Old Donald was still around. He could just one arm hug the dude. Oh, it'd be so Aww. good. It, no, he so couldn't good. because John's fucking dead. That's <laughs> true. Thanks, thanks. We're a reread podcast. That's right. I, I forget we can do spoilers on this one. Yeah, yeah the world is your to. oyster. Right. It's interesting that he calls him Lord Eddard. Right. Mm. I was. I noticed that instead of Lord Father. It's almost like he's measuring up to not so much just wanting to make dad proud, but wanting to fill those kind of leadership shoes mm-hmm. uh, in a way that his father did and, and in terms of a title and a leader of men rather than just his dad. Um, that stuck out to me. And it's interesting because as soon as all the stuff that's to come with Stannis and meeting Stannis and he gets kind of on that level and the political level and chatting with him and hearing more about his dad, which... I keep thinking it's similar to like Danny and Barristan talking about her family, hmm. uh, him hearing just those glimmers of true or untrue information about Ned. But he starts to act like, what would Lord Eddard do? Like Lord Eddard and thinking like Winterfell this, right. and soldiers this. And he starts really being this pragmatic leader and analyzing what he needs to do to protect people and command armies with this battling that's coming. Um, and of course him dying for his choices comes back later too yeah it's interesting to think about the two different sides of that that it just came to me now as you were mentioning that i think of like myself as a father we were talking about my kids a little bit before we hit record on this and that 
you know, as a father, I've kind of got two sides of the coin. I've, I've got to be kind of emotionally available and there for my children and be that guy that sits at the foot of their bed with them and talks them through everything. But then at the same token, I've got to be, you know, the father of the family, the leader, the guy that makes the decisions and, and, you know, along with my wife together. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to balance those two sides. Sometimes you just want to be the fun dad. And then sometimes you got to like step up and go, okay, what am I going to do to make sure that I'm setting these kids up now and in the future and making those pragmatic decisions? Like you said, that's an interesting way to look at it. And John's going through that right now. Um, just in kind of a different scenario. Yeah. Yeah. He just had a baby son that's older than he he is. Uh, satin. Right. That's Mm, that's true. Birthed him. (laughs) He's about to inherit and birth an entire rest of the Night's Watch. But yeah, sometimes you gotta be... And wildlings, too. You gotta Mm -hmm. be, like, their friend. And he's gonna talk about this a little later with Mance, um, but straddle that line, like you said, of guiding your kids at the foot of their bed and taking your children, Matt, to their first beheading. (laughs) Teaching them, one day you, too, will do this. Kids, it's time. Look over at this, this deserter. (laughs) Everything the wall touches. Uh, John's thinking about how he probably should have just stayed in the cave with Egret, duh. Good idea. Should have. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. He, he fucked up. You don't goof. Uh, <laughs> he flexes his sword hand. Eamon had taught him to flex his sword hand with the cold because otherwise it's going to get a little arthritic and not work well and he won't be able to, you know, do the fighty thing. He needs to be limber if he has to murder Mance Raider because, you know, he's totally going to do that. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm, limber. <laughs> He'd been locked in the cells, in the ice cells, horrible, cold oh my for gosh. four days. Four days. I didn't remember that. Hand. Four days. Four days. Jeez. Did they feed him? Like that's these. These are questions yeah. that I wonder. Like, how are they getting food to him? Do they like lower it down, like on a small like string, like on a fishing line oh through the oh. cell? And the room is so small that it's too low to stand and too short to lay in. And there's this really interesting passage bit that talks about how people aren't expected to live more than four days if they're in the ice cells. Like, that's... Oh, so they did max time That's serious. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's serious business. Like, usually people don't live much longer than that in the ice cells. Like, they're just shoving him in an ice cell to die? Damn, okay. And then he doesn't even get any recovery time. It's just straight to Janos and Alistair after that. Yeah, the best people in the world to see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it... Reminds me of the thing that you said last episode, Chloe, about how it comes in together with Tyrion's imprisonment. And yeah. mm-hmm. you were saying that, and it also kind of reminds me then of like Tyrion's other imprisonment in the Eyrie. And he keeps talking about how, like, yeah, it was fine. They just put them in there because eventually, what was it? Like, the blue calls to them all eventually. I was like, uh-huh, yeah. it's right. fucked up. Yeah. Also, right now, he's like, I guess, in this scene, a crow in a cage. He's a burb. Something interesting, Eliana, that you were just talking about with that burb in a cage thing makes me think of Sansa escaping the Storm of Swords from her cage. And then, Mm. wait for it, here's another good one. Tyrion's imprisonment right now and how it's alongside this, Tyrion's champion loses when Jon's champion, Stannis, I guess, wins. It was an unknown champion. You know, they both have champions they didn't expect. I was thinking you were going to liken Stannis and Jaime, like Stannis coming in with that last minute save the way Jaime and Varys do for Tyrion. No, but that's interesting too, but no, I wasn't. Mm. wasn't really thinking about them, so now I am. Is that a ship? (laughs) And here we are. Maybe. 
<laughs> Did you just say was that a ship? Is that a ship? Is Jamie and Stannis? Oh my god! Everything's uh, a ship. That's true. Everything. They march John back to the King's Tower, and Janos says he wants to hang John, but Aemon would not allow it. So Aemon wrote Cotter Pike, sent off an owl. Wait, that's the wrong series. Uh, and he sh- and he shows Janos and Alicer. And he's like, John Snow turned cloak. I told Cotter Pike. It's actually a okay. It's actually a really smart political move for Eamon to reach out to Cotter Pike for multiple reasons. Because yes, of hmm. course, Cotter Pike's like a respected person within the watch. He like bans this like very important part of it. And Thorn and Slint have to kind of bow to him a little, and Thorne understands that and can't go against him when it comes to John. But also I think what makes it really interesting is that Thorn and Slint keep using John's bastardy as like the basis for their whole argument of John is treacherous. And this is not an argument they're going to be able to use with any sort of like validity against Cotter Pike. Cotter Pike. If yeah. he shows up because Cotter Pike, of course, is a bastard and will not be having any of that because that would be an insult to him as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and Good Cotter point. Pike's kind of like super violent. Yes. Too. He's been like supposed to be a super violent asshole and he's illiterate. So like his maester has to read and write for him and he's supposed to be super bold. He's like like the castle blackie uh umber, right? Like uh. that's almost like like I don't know, he's just like basically loud and mean and rough. So like you don't want to piss this guy off. This right. is the one no. thing you probably don't want yeah. to do with him. Yeah, don't use the bastard argument with him. That's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so Alistair, who has no respect, but kind of, he's trying to play it a little respectful here, says that Eamon's just lived too long and his wits have gone. Of course. Rude. Right. And then Slint goes, Hey, Slint said, a blind man with a chain about his neck. Who does he think he is? Eamon Targaryen, John thought. <laughs> a king's son and a king's brother and a king who might have been. But he said nothing. So, huge, huge irony from this, that thought, Aemon Targaryen, a king's son and a king's brother and a king who might have been, but he said nothing. So, I feel like that's a total nod because, of course, John basically, I mean, Rhaegar could have been king, so let's look at it as king's son, mm-hmm. a king's brother, mm-hmm. Rob, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then a king who might have been. That's totally a straight oh. up just oh John Snow line. Mm-hmm. This is all John V meta. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's V meta, and it, it's also that fairy tale, fairy princess kind of trope that if only they knew they were mistreating the secret prince or princess. <laughs> you know that, that I find that really interesting. Yeah, that's the one thing that I want from the series so badly, and it's never going to give it to me. I really don't think they will. Where Thorne finds out, like, oh, no. I've been mistreating Rhaegar's son. I fought for Rhaegar this whole time. Yeah, he fought for the Targaryens. He was a dragon. Mm -hmm. But that also just goes to, like, I guess in the end you look at it as they're not really loyal. It's just that's the most prosperous times. It's the people that are like, oh, when Reagan was in office, or oh, when this, when Carter did this, or blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, they're all the same. <laughs> wow, shit got real. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm just saying, like, whatever one enabled his behavior was probably good to him. For Thorn, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he was probably like, cool, I'm being enabled. I'm into that. Good enough. 
He doesn't care about the geese slash gander. The geese. He's out there caring about his arrows, you know, his pomegranate arrows. What is an arrow? <laughs> That's what the little pomegranate seeds are. Oh. Those are arrows. Yeah, you didn't know that? No. 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 I thought you knew that. No, I don't. You, you're the one who knows things about food. You're saying you don't know things about food? Are you on the record saying this? I don't know. Oh, some things. How is this spelled? What's an arrow? A-I-R... Oh, I spelled this fucking wrong. Something L. Arrow. I know wild berry skittles are the best skittles. <laughs> oh my god. This, this I know. Tropical and tropical sour patch kids are the worst kind of sour patch kids. Ooh. It's A-R-I-L-S. 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 Yeah, an extra seed covering. Typically colored and hairy or fleshy. The mm. red fleshy cup around a yew seed. <laughs> Me and Matt mm, immediately. Hairy and fleshy. Mm. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Anyway, Janos would l- never let anyone say that he was not fair, though, so he offers John a fair chance. He's like, go meet with Mance. Then we'll know your loyalty. Fair chance. <laughs> right, fair. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. Uh, they think Mance trusts John because they're idiots, and they think that's going to make it easier. And John's like, it's no. nothing like that. Like, I betrayed them, like, really badly, actually. I left them high and fucking dry. John realizes, though, that this is all Alistair's planning. He's the brains of the operation. So one way or another, Alistair's going to be rid of John. You know, like, that's his plan with this. He's like, okay, well, if shit goes sour, it goes sour for John. John says he'll go, and Janos interrupts him, adding Malord to the end of the sentence. And, oh, I know. John responds with, I'll go, my lord, but you are making a mistake, my lord, after everything. Every single thing he says, he's saying, my lord, after it. It's just the biggest fucking middle finger. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if Janos picks up on it or not. We don't get his reaction to it. (sighs) But I mean, like, they don't care if, like you said, Nance is mad because they just want him dead and like... John's like, what am I going to do? This is as much about killing Mance as it is about killing John, right? So they really don't care. They they just want Jon Snow dead. And if he can knock out Mance at the same time. Here's another thing that Jon O'Slint needs to... This needs to stop. Things that must go. Jon O'Slint referring to himself in the first person. He knows he has no chance now that Jon O'Slint has come. Uh, Oh my god. uh, Say it again. He says it a couple more times, but... I never Dude, noticed I need that. you to stop right now. I need you to stop right now. Jono Slint does not make terms with lawless savages, Lord Snow. No, he does not. Oh, I'm sorry. Jono Slint is like a troll bridge. <laughs> oh my god, I never noticed that. Yeah, there there is like sometimes that thing about people who talk about themselves in third person like that. Yeah, well, you you see it at that dinner with Tyrion. Like that's why Tyrion so easily is just like off you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Tra-la-la, get out of here, off you fuck. Like, he's the worst. He's just like this little rodent. He's a rodent of a man, and God, his death is nice. Not for him, though. No, not really. But, yeah, it, it's... Uh, I think you were saying something a few episodes ago with J.R. Mormont and how they were, like, focused on the wrong enemy. Janos and Alice are here. Yeah, wrong enemy. They, like, refuse to believe that the zombies are real or care about it. Right. They're not listening to any logic or reason. Yeah. They're just they- too focused on John. Yep. Yeah. 
and this is exactly what happens in corporate environments. I'm going through this at work right now. So mm-hmm. oh, we're totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Focused on the wrong enemy and they just want to take down like someone and then like you still have a fucked up operation after. You know what I mean? Like just horrible. Like what are you doing? Like focus on the real enemy. John's John's chill. Also, John's like an injured animal right now. <laughs> like he's a wounded gazelle. What is he gonna Aww. do? He's down for the count. Yeah. That's why yeah, they left him just... in those cells, right? And then took him right to right to the uh mm-hmm. from the from the ice to the fire was to was because he'd be weak he would be yeah run down but what cowards yeah just do it just commit the treason and do it you fucking well they do eventually so Mm -hmm. never mind (laughs) i just realized now that you guys are talking about him being injured right he's got the leg injury he's got that injury from you know he was fucking protecting the wall for three ass chapters whereas jano slint and alistair where haven't done a thing but it's they were on a vacation at yep. you know corporate. <laughs> they were, but like it's just like what happens again to Ned. His leg is injured, mm-hmm. then he's imprisoned for a while and brought back out for his basically mm-hmm. death sentence. And that's what John's getting here, his death sentence. And we were all like when we first watched or read the thing, we we're like, something's gonna come and save Ned, right? And something does come and save John, but nothing comes for Ned. Dad Dad, no. Man. Yeah. Hmm. Our honor means no more than our lives, so long as the realm is safe, Corin Halfhand had said in the Frostfangs. He must remember that, whether he slew Mance or only tried and failed, the free folk would kill him. Even desertion was impossible if he'd been so inclined. To Mance, he was a proven liar and betrayer. <laughs> John's not about that. John's John's not about that. He, he wants to be, but this is what I realized about him and Mance is, and I'm maybe jumping the gun here. We're no, I'm getting a little it. ahead of myself. John and Mance want the same thing. They want to save lives. And to John, honor really, maybe the definition for John is different than it is to what Corin Halfhand was referring to. To John, saving lives is more important than finger quotes honor. Right? He's turned his cloak turned his cloak twice now in one book going from the wildling going to the wildlings and then from the wildlings back to the night's watch and it's all out of saving lives and lives to him are equal they are the men of the night's watch they are the wildlings they are everyone who the others are hunting and so yeah i feel like this is john keeps telling himself our honor means no more than our lives remembering what corin said and corin was well intentioned saying that but john's on kind of like this higher plane than everyone else and uh he's not about that even if he thinks he is yeah and the way this is kind of framed in this passage I could see this coming back as a uh, as another passage in a future book. You know, there's a lot in there. The free folk would kill him if he tried and failed. Mm-hmm. Um, desertion was impossible. I mean, these are just the same situations John is continually <laughs> finding himself in. Yeah. You'd think he would learn. <laughs> Poor guy. Like, it's Jon Snow in the very bad, no good, horrible day. And he's just day. trying to make the best choice for everyone, and they just want to kill him for it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, he does kind of learn that lesson initially, right? Or the 101 course, right, of everyone is all people from mm-hmm. Corrin Halfhand. When he's like, yeah, actually, Mance was my brother. I love right. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's the saddest. Corn and Mance's friendship is so sad. Yeah. Right. This read through really got it to me. Same. Like, oh, Corin, Corin's like a top three dad for John. Top three dad. Wait, why don't we rank John's dads one day? We should do a dad ranking bowl. the dads episode. Dad uh-huh. bowl. Oh my yeah. god. John, Next John year, Watt. a song of madness. We oh. are doing a special. <laughs> that's the spinoff. John that's dad spin-off bracket. For it. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You mean a song of dadness? Oh, oh my. Gosh. Oh. It can be the follow up like a few months later, right? In June for Father's Day, or maybe you just replace the song of madness yeah. entirely. See what happens. It'll be much shorter. Oh my shorter. gosh. Yeah. yeah you could do animal theme next year. Let's you know? watch we the world really burn. Just... Yeah. <laughs> you're going to either way. I can't imagine what your mentions look like during that. It's horrible. It's insane. So much quote tweeting. It's insane. And if you listeners don't know, a song of madness is a thing that Davos Finkers does every year. It's incredibly fun. And. They basically it's just do a bracket. It, it's yeah, it's a time fun, fun yeah. maybe for like the first five minutes, and then it just like just dissolves, <laughs> devolves entirely. And <laughs> the last week of it is oh everyone God. just like literally throwing e shit at each other. Yep, uh, yep. We didn't it's so serious. We didn't block a single person this year, though. So oh. yeah. So it's oh. been getting better. I blocked every single person that said something mean about Sansa every year for the past four years. <laughs> God. Um, and then sometimes I unblock them, like to see if they're not dog shit anymore. No, they're still dog we shit still people. Are. You know who you are. Some of you might be listening. You're still blocked. <laughs> oh my god. So yes, it's a bracket, and people vote, and it's a time, and. Maybe this coming year will be the year that Nimble Dick Crab wins. I don't know. Maybe it'll be the year yeah. Strong Bell was, who for some reason didn't make it past the first round wins. Yeah, he deserved a lot better this yeah. year. Yeah. We, we, Scott and I are definitely rethinking, you know, the way that we do it in terms of like a normal bracket in like a, a sports ball thing is the worst team <laughs> plays the best team and um. the lowest ranked team plays the highest ranked team. And then you work your way, you whittle away the teams that way. And, it's just not fair to have strong Belwas going up against, you know, Jon Snow or something. So we're trying to think of ways that we can maybe keep some of these fun characters in there a little longer, but we'll the see. The seat is strong. Literally. The oh my God. seat is strong. Get it? Because seating? I was, I was really proud of myself just now. <laughs> you have my permission to fire her. Pin the blue that. ribbon upon her chest. Thank you. Mm. Uh, but I mean, I guess one way you can do that is a song of dadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a song of go. dadness. There you go. I mean, Anyways. he's got enough for it. He's got enough. That's true. Uh, he... John walks amidst corpses, wondering if Mance will come to parlay in no man's land, and sees Tormund. Tormund tells John, Mance won't like the color of your cloak, and it's real likely he won't want to treat with you. John is like, too bad, because I'm what you get. And Tormund's like, all right, kid, you want to ride with the horse? And he's like, no, my boss will get mad if they see me. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting that Tormund doesn't resent John for his actions. He's like, whatever. Right, good to yeah. see you, bro. Cheers. Yeah, I love it. Dude, love you're back. Yeah. <laughs> they even keep that whole like stint with him later on where Mance is like, no, you're not allowed at the tent. <laughs> oh my god. Tormund might actually be one of the best adapted, characterized characters in the Game of Thrones hit TV show, in my opinion. Because they totally. actually kept a lot of his book stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a lot they- younger. He's younger, yeah. yeah. And the kids, he's, the kids thing. He's less of a, he's less of like 
John's dad slash uncle, right? He's kind of, I think, John's uncle here, if Mansus his dad, if you think about mm-hmm. it. If you think about it. <laughs> this is my God. contribution. Uh, they discuss the battle and those who lost, like Mag the Mighty, Rip. John no. tells him that also Donald Noy is the one who slayed him. And he was a one-armed smith because Tormund's like, he must have been a great lord. And he's like, he was a blacksmith. <laughs> it's important. Boom. It's important to Donald Noy that he be remembered as a blacksmith. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I do love that, though, because Tormund offers a skin of mead. To John then, and he's like, to Mag the Mighty and Donald Noy. Pour one out. And they toast. Yeah, pour it out for sure. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's sweet though, and it goes back to that idea of how Mance and John unite in the idea of life, all life mattering, basically, you know, like not just wildlings or not just people from the kingdom. Uh, they find a common ground, which is really, really good. Right. It could still happen. Boy, speaking of life mattering, the uh, the body count is a little is a little interesting for me. Two hundred wildlings dead, but yet a dozen giants got it. Yeah, it seems crazy to me. So, is it a dozen giants out of that two hundred? Uh, Do you understand what I'm is, asking? Yeah, I, I hear you. Two hundred dead and a dozen giants is what okay. Tormund says. Uh, oh, so that sounds like. 212 oh. dead? Yeah. I don't know. I guess it could go either way. <sighs> Man, I guess no one all cares. All those arrows he shot and everything and all that stuff, all the resources they expended defending the wall, 200 dead. crazy. 200 yeah. dead. 200. <laughs> and like, they get to, like as, as John pointed out in a previous chapter, he's like, well, shit, that's what, 200 dead, and they get to send fresh, like sprightly warriors to the wall every day and then they're just mm-hmm. bringing the same tired ass kids mm-hmm. yeah if they time. were to hit somebody with every single arrow they had left like a hundred percent accuracy on shooting they still wouldn't be able to they'd still run out of arrows before That's they killed they the wouldn't be able to fighters. thin it they wouldn't have yeah. been able to thin that many yeah mm-hmm. there's thousands yep i guess they could Crazy. pull some they could pull some right from the scarecrows there you go True. Let's one, buy, let's one buy a few more. suggestion. Yeah. There you go. You know. <laughs> but it's like it's they don't have enough yeah. men to. Yeah. I mean, on their side, they've got men going down too. And <sighs> yeah. Okay. And what's, well, so the wildlings, their, their initial idea is, you know, they wanted Steer to go bring down the wall. They were hoping that Mance would be able to get there and just walk through by the way they divvied things up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steer did bring the wall down on his head. Yep. You know, when he died, so good job, Steer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, all right. I don't. I never really got John's entire beef with him, to be honest. I mean, like, I did, like, as we've discussed in previous Projecting. episodes. Yeah, but he was, like, not... He wasn't, like, rattle shirt, all right? And then Torment also asked John, like, so, how's your leg? And he's like, well, I got that from Egret, actually. <laughs> as she oh, was. she's like, dead. Oh. Yeah. By the way. And he he does point out to Tormund. He's like, it wasn't it wasn't me. <laughs> oh, I didn't expect him to you know immediately start a conversation with it wasn't me, but Egret's dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation drifts to Tormund's children. They talk about I guess how Tormund has a daughter Munda who was stolen by Longspear, and how apparently all four of his sons had slept through it except for one maybe who just like didn't put up a fight, but Munda did. And Longspear broke his lip open in the process, and then this reminds John of Egret, so he laughs. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and I've just had this crazy breakthrough reading this that the name Munda is derived from Tormund's name of Tormund. Oh my god. Tormunda. Mm-hmm. Munda. And this is just very important. Yeah, because his other kids are like Torwick and yeah. Torwind and Torchwood or whatever. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, That's Tywin, Tygat, yeah. Tyrion, yeah. which is pronounced a little different, but still got that same letters. And I was like, well, so even they do this. Yeah. Munda. Yeah. See, they could have things in common. Oh. The wildlings and the, the realm. That's what George is trying to show us. Through us. Munda. We all want the same things. Yep. To yes, name our children. Uh, mm-hmm. Variations of their name. I used to want to name my kids Ellie and Anna. That's no, not you a joke. Didn't. I kind of yeah. did or or eli if a, if a boy i thought eli was a good name i still think eli is a good name eli's solid i got a nephew named eli it's cute He's a solid kid yeah, yeah. that done would all right. be cute and mm-hmm. then eventually if he has kids he can start naming them with like el names and then like your whole entire generation can change to it i'm doing this in the sims right now so i mean oh same thing do i have a line of children named with variations of my name in your sims game no, but you can. Okay. Let's I know I can. It. That's why I asked. I know. Elwin, Elroy, <laughs> Elman. It'll be like some fray uh, shit. Elron uh, Hubbard. Ellis. <laughs> um, uh, he, John starts to think about Egret because she was fond of Longspear Rick. Uh, and he he's hoping that Rick and Munda are having a great time together that they there should be some joy somewhere in the world and then he thinks of this like little conversation this is totally healthy obviously because he's in 100% health shape but he thinks about this conversation back and forth and how it would go if she was there right now really healthy as I say it out loud I'm like John how do I explain this to people that are listening to my podcast like can you be <laughs> normal and sane uh-huh you know nothing, Jon Snow, Egret would have told him. I know that I'm going to die, he thought. I know that much, at least. All men die, he could almost hear her say. And women, too, and every beast that flies or swims or runs. It's not the when of dying that matters, it's the how of it, Jon Snow. Easy for you to say, he thought back. You'd die brave in a battle, storming the castle of a foe. I'm going to die a turncloak and a killer. Nor would his death be quick, unless it came on the end of Mance's sword. Is this foreshadowing? It is, on multiple levels. Like, for example, John's wrong. He doesn't die right now. (laughs) (laughs) Typical. Yeah, but, yeah, I just thought a lot of the the language here, the things Egret's saying, I can see them coming back into play later, and just in general, him, I'm going to die a turncloak and a killer. Oh, John. And then his death not being quick, it's going yep. to be prolonged with his, like, what, maybe exile? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of deep shit in these John chapters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have noticed. Have you been reading them? <laughs> this is the analysis I'm here for. <laughs> I, this is hashtag like deep. sad. Yeah, it's too deep. Hashtag like, give me season eight. It's easier. It's easier oh my than God. all this. <laughs> <laughs> Betrayal. <laughs> but yeah, there's a definite counterpoint in here too, in what Egret is saying once more to like that men's lives have meaning, not their deaths, because she's like, I mean, maybe it does. Like how you go out, how you choose to do it, if you do it like 
standing up for your beliefs, that's meaningful. If you make ah. it count. Well, the, the, yeah. Donald, the Donald Noy death that they were just talking yes, about. Yes, exactly. Mm. Or the core and half hand death. Yep. Well, and that's the thing. They just did their duty. They didn't balk. They did what was good for their realm. Mm-hmm. They knew like they had to do what they had to do to protect people, and they just did it. And it wasn't even like a heroic, like, I'm going to do this now, he said in a resounding voice. It's like a Donald Noy left to go defend the gate. Yeah, he's like, I need, I need, what did he say? I need two spearmen and two bowmen. Let's go. That's yep. it. And that was the last thing they heard of him. It's awesome. Yeah. Notice, I guess, the all they did his duty. needed to an extent, it evened out against the giant. Yeah, losing that man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so then they reach the mess of tents and the disorganization that is the remaining wildlings. <laughs> Many ignore John, but a lot of them come out to stare at him. And he's like, wow, look at all these different kinds of people. And then Mance is flanked by Vermeer, Vermeer's shadow cat, his two lean wolves, because Vermeer apparently rolls very deep. And then Harma Dog's head. But, mm. you know, it's very cinematic, actually, as he comes up to them, because then Mance is in the center with his cloak rippling. His Black and red. Oh, yeah, in the wind. Yeah, it's a. It's kind of menacing though when you think like if you just close. Everyone, close our eyes for a second. Ready, you guys? Us, us here on this call. Yeah, my eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. see the clothes just rippling in the air? Yeah. Mm, yeah, but Harma with the. Oh my God! <laughs> Did you just call Vance Daddy? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> This was an internal exercise, Matt. <laughs> and here we are. This is a guided meditation. <laughs> Anyways, I could just see Harma in my head with like the dog on the stick and like Varamir with the shadow cat and the wolves and just like snarling and I don't know, it's just like a very mean, scary place to have scene, to go yeah. walk to. Yeah, uh, in front of his white fur covered tent. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't with all the crazy like free folk all around there some of the people that have the painted face and some of like you know the crazy like helms and shit and like john's just like hello i'm limping up the drive you've got the uh horn is it the hornwoods who don't wear feet who don't wear shoes yeah soles of their feet yeah the horny souls the hobbitses they got horny souls oh man okay (laughs) wow Wow. Yeah, That's what do. George wrote. That, that is wrote what it. he wrote. I mean, yeah, don't big be mood. Mad at me. I'm quoting the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Matt, would you yeah, like it's to. Scary. It's a scary thing. Do you want to be daddy? <laughs> mm. I, okay, here we go. There daddy. are objections. <laughs> this is maybe one of the lewdest episodes we've had already. <laughs> and what's the common denominator? It's me. So oh, here we go. It's you. All right. Uh, what does Mance say? You must be very brave or very stupid, Jon Snow, to come back to us wearing a black cloak. <laughs> mm. I love that line. That was like a great Mance line in general. Just, you must be stupid or brave. One of the two. He's like, could be both. A lot of times it is both. Yeah. A yeah. lot of times and it most, is both. Probably mm-hmm. both. Yeah. Right. Harma and Vermeer are like, he sucks. You should just kill him. Like, we told you to kill him. I don't know why you haven't. And Tormund is like, no, no, let me speak some sense and fairness and logic into you. And they're like, okay, crow lover. <laughs> crow like, lover. Whatever. Do you guys ever cast cast characters from the books with actual actors and stuff? That I, if yeah, they're not like in the television cast, show? Yeah. yeah. I do it even if they are, bitch. 
at a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Do what I want. <laughs> Harm a dog's head for me is the uh, the the villain mom in Goonies. Mm, she's uh, the oh. trench bull from uh, fucking. Oh, Matilda. Matilda. Yeah, Matilda. Oh, she's the trench bull. Yep, that's what I see for Harma. Damn, these are good. <laughs> Thanks. And Veramir for me. Oh, I don't even know the actor's name. I should. He's the he plays the Dwight character on um, the UK uh, version of The Office. Yeah, little yep, the UK one. thin guy with blonde hair. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But. Yeah, all I can see for Veramir right now in my head is like Bashemi. Oh, he would do good oh. in that role, though. Oh my yeah, god, imagine totally. imagine the prologue chapter with Buscemi. He would act the fuck out of that. Oh my gosh. You're welcome. That's Damn. your big big Oh my guess. gosh. I'm like staring off into the, into space right now. Just It would be really <laughs> good. It. it would be really good. The part where the eagle goes up in flames and Buscemi's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Oh my god. Yeah, so that's your treat. That's okay. everyone's treat they get. And here we go. The skin changer was gray-faced, round-shouldered, and bald, a mouse of a man with a wolfling's eyes. Once a horse is broken to the saddle, any man can mount him, he said in a soft voice. Once a beast's been joined to a man, any skin, any skin changer can slip inside and ride him. Oral was withering inside his feathers, so I took the eagle for my own. But the joining works both ways, Warg. Oral lives inside me now, whispering how much he hates you. And I can soar above this wall and see with the eagle eyes. This is lewd. Yeah, yeah. it was very sexual. Slip inside it really eyes. was, though. Mm-hmm. I guess warging and skin changing is, like, sexual. It really is. Which is kind of weird, especially with the Bran and Hodor stuff. Because you are, like, making that animal submit to you. So it's really yeah. weird. It's, it's like BDSM. This is, like, some furry <laughs> shit. Yeah, sex, sex is about a making a connection, whether it's physical or whatever. And that's very much what yeah. skin changing is. So I mean, yeah, true. you literally become one flesh, right? And that's definitely a way that sex. marriage and sex is described biblically. But it also reminds me that another thing that's kind of got sexual language, and I'm never going to let this go. I think... <laughs> I forgot his actual Reddit username, but a friend of mine, um, and I'm not going to dox him, who used to come to my reread book clubs, uh, pointed out that the language is very sexual when Daenerys mounts Drogon in the yep. dragon pit. And she's like, yes, take yes, take me higher. Yes, faster, higher, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's very sexual. So it's interesting that both skin changing and dragon riding are so lewd. And humanity is sexual. It's just George wrote this, so George is very sexual, as we have heard his like meeting Paris story and uh, different. George is sexual apparently because all of this is about sex. Apparently, it's just underlying sex themes. It's like, all it. about sex. Skin yes. changing is fucking. R plus L equals J. Fucking. It's all about sex. Jon Snow. R plus L equals J, which means fucking. <laughs> the Lord's kiss. The Lord, see, exactly. That's why all... it's not called the King's kiss, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's the Lord's kiss. Oh my God. So it's like, at this point, I feel like it's 120% certain we're going to get John through ghost probably, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, we have to. Feels like it. it. 
it would be great warm. like this right here is a whole info dump about it is what i feel like like oh by the way here's all of this skin changer like intel that i'm gonna just dump on a page just because i have to establish it exists mm-hmm. yeah and i am curious now what this means like because veramir's talking about how now aura lives inside of him and like is john going to then live on in bran a little like that's unnerving in its own way or is like another thing mm. that's unnerving is like Veramir going to live on in John or someone else right. also because yeah. Veramir's a fucking mess, right? But like for someone to incorporate that, especially if like someone's like, I need more wolves because there's like three wolves in him and his pack. And I don't know, is that. I think you're onto something with that John living on in Brand to an extent. I wonder if we're not going to have anything John, obviously, for the first bit, but maybe Brand. Because Bran's going to be probably plugged into the Weirwood at this point. Mm-hmm. He's going to be, like, all the time logged on. Like like me on Twitter, like, never logs off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, Bran's just going to be in there just kind of, like, feeling around in Ew. the Weirwood.net and, like, moving things and seeing things and being like, hey, that's John. Like, it's like Cerebro mm. from X-Men, you know? Just like, oh, there he is. I found John. Why is John's <laughs> essence floating around? Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, John. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> oh, oh, hi, Bran. I'm dead. So we might get John through Bran. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, lives on slipping inside of him. Writing. Uh, no. Him. What? Would... What? I... Baramir said it, not me. And here it goes. Thanks uh, a lot, George. Mance tells John that, like, they know, dude. There's no supplies. There's no people. You guys are fucked. Uh, slim to none. And he's like, come on in. Ha- come hang out. Everyone else get the fuck out, especially you, Tormund. Right. Uh, except for Dalla and Val. Val attends a very pregnant Dalla, whose time for giving birth is very near. She's a little overripe. It's time to push that bun out the oven. Oh, my God. Uh, John is so courteous. And he's like, Val, I'm sorry for Jarl's death. And Val's like, he climbed too fast. Yep, big mood. Yeah. More like climax to what? Oh my god. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. Uh, probably. Stop. Stop. John kept his face as still as ice. Foul enough to slay a man in his tent under truce. Must I murder him in front of his wife as the child is being born? Oof. He closed the fingers of his sword hand. Mance was not wearing armor, but his own sword was sheathed on his left hip. And there were other weapons in the tent, daggers and dirks, a bow and a quiver of arrows, a bronze-headed spear lying beside that big black horn. John sucked in his breath. A war horn. A bloody great war horn. But Matt says it's the Horn of Winter. And that this was actually the one. You know, this is it. It's the one that was used to wake giants from the earth. Allegedly bring down the wall. I told you it's all about sex. I was right. <laughs> You always are. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's on record, so. Uh, John remembers Egret says that they never found the Horn of Winter, and Mance is like, yeah, I keep secrets from people I don't trust, which is everybody. And John's like, why didn't you use it if you had it all along? Like, you could have stopped all this. It was Dalla who answered him. Dalla, great with child, lying on her pile of furs beside the brazier. We free folk know things you kneelers have forgotten. Sometimes the short road is not the safest, Jon Snow. The Horned Lord once said that sorcery is a sword without a hilt. There's no safe way to grasp it. I should have said that more in the throes of labor, right? 
Sometimes the short road is not the safest, Jon Snow. <laughs> do you want to do it again? No. In the throes of labor? <laughs> There's no safe way to grasp it! Dude, Della's <sighs> a fucking badass. She's just she like is, out here dude. dispensing knowledge so while underrated. trying to put a child yeah. out right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sucks because, you know, she dies. Oh. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Chloe. No problem. <sighs> Damn. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, we're going to get back to the sorcery part. I know that people want to talk about this, but what stood out to me was that line about, like, the short road is not the safest. That was so wise. I wonder yeah. if, like, this idea actually came from Della, and she's like, Nancy, you can't just fucking bring down the wall. That's stupid. But, I mean, like, a lot of A Saga of Ice and Fire is about this, right? Like, especially in this third book, a lot of it focuses on, you know, Tywin Lannister, who was all about taking these, like, very, very effective but short paths that were so cruel, and it left this entire legacy over the rest of his house and the rest of the story, and we're going to see other characters like Doran and John Connington decide to follow in his footsteps. And then you're going to see that, I guess, maybe, especially with Tyrion, and together with this idea of fire consuming, with Daenerys choosing fire and blood at the end of the fifth book, and Mm -hmm. walking that path of conquering over... I mean, rebuilding... Any society is long hard work, whether it's in Marine, whether it's in real life, that's the unfortunate thing. And like a lot of stories don't talk about this, especially in fantasy. They hinge it all on like one special magical person's gonna solve all the shit. But other stories like kind of address this, like in Foundation, or I would even assert I think the Dragon Prince by Aaron E. has head writer and director on Avatar The Last Airbender. Really great show on Netflix. Mm. Absolutely check it out. They're going towards this that like even in sorcery, right? The the work of changing and improving a society is really long, dedicated work. It's decades. Yeah, it, it it's like in Parks and Rec with Leslie. Yes, Hitt and uh, yes, like you know, with the merger, and she, you know, wanted it done like in a day, and every way that she talks is like just laughs years at her. And years. They're like, yeah. it takes yeah, ten to fifteen laugh. years, and like that's true. Yeah, it, it's just how society. You can't just snap your fingers. Um, it's like in Crusader Kings 2 in the Game of Thrones mod, or in the actual game, if you want to prostilitize a region, you know, and be like, we're changing our religion. They all freak out. You, you yeah. can't just do crap like that. And what's interesting with that is that line comes as a warning in the story from Dalla, especially as Stannis and his army and who everyone is worshipping Relore now and Melisandre right. ride inwards, that that's... The warning. They don't have Relore this far north. That's the warning for the incoming army and king. Uh, this line totally gives us that heads up. Yeah. Yeah, Melisandre loves her shortcuts and her sorcery, obviously. I mean, it's literally yeah. her, her like, the class that she chose, but... Yeah. Yep. Her little, her little box of potions and powders and stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. her little magic powders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Mance shows that he's then thinking about saving his people and that's why he kept that shortest and like potentially the most dangerous because it it's kind of mutually assured destruction if he does that right um, yeah I mean he brings the wall down the others get over the wall too so yeah he's like I'm not an we idiot this the nice way or the mean way but mm-hmm. he's got to do something and that's what I really like about Mance is I have to do something. something yeah yeah at least he didn't just cower behind the wall with his people Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. just like wait for them to get killed off one by one and turned into others. And it's, 
I like that he really respects Dalla and like even though obviously like the King Beyond the Wall title is kind of a joke to him um yeah he's leading these people and you know the queen basically Dalla's the queen it's more important obviously that he's leading a free people and I think that's what he thinks is most important but Dalla is like giving protection uh, this this form of protection to Mance here because John is of course he doesn't want to stab Mance in mm. front of Dalla that's awful and and kill off the father of this baby that's about to come into the world which of course the irony is that Dalla does die but you know he's there is a death in this tent it's Dalla it's not Mance um but we haven't really seen a lot of queens give good wisdom and counsel right in this story we haven't seen this kind of dynamic of kings that listen to their queens and queens give good wise counsel that's not something you see often in a song of ice and fire in any of the history or the annals you Alisand Targaryen's like what the biggest one we hear about he doesn't yeah. uh he there aren't a lot of big queen figures that were married to Targaryen kings or in current that I think, were wise I think that's a mostly like especially before like after the dance because Visenya and Rhaenys were yeah. very much like almost completely equal to Aegon in terms of mm-hmm. the policy making and ruling of the kingdoms but yes absolutely yeah. Uh, and and like to be specific, I, you're saying that you don't see queens giving that counsel to kings because we do see a lot of queens, yeah, doing their counseling. own in counseling themselves, doing which their like thing. do it for yourself, doing girl. Politics, yeah, yeah. I think of Eddard and Catelyn, but that's not a queen and king scenario. But Catelyn to Rob, Catelyn to Rob, she yeah. gives good Catelyn counsel to, to him, yeah, and mm-hmm. he doesn't always listen. Because, yeah. I mean, what 16-year-old boy, or 16-year-old in general, does? You got that look to look yeah. forward to, Matt. And moreover, it's really, <laughs> I, I even mean you don't hear, like, think of the songs. How many songs are there written about good queens? It's Alisanne is the big one. And then you don't hear of all these little side queens in the story, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and you'll hear about, like, Nerys, for example. But, I mean, you just don't hear about, the show did, like, Marjorie Terrell do, going and, you know, going to the orphanages and giving the food out and telling them stories all day long and blah, blah, blah. And surely there'll be songs probably someday about that, I'm sure, written. But you just don't get to see it up close and personal in a POV. And Dalla actually gives good counsel. It's really a shame that she is the loss that comes from this in the end. Yeah. Hmm. Um, John is confused because there are so many fucking wildlings against the very few watchmen left and also there's another threat besides the wall it's uh it's the others remember these people mm-hmm. <laughs> and mance is like yeah no one's been able to survive them not the ice clans not the giants i haven't i mean i'm standing here but like the people that i was with and so then he offers a deal to john he will give them the horn for passage past the wall so you two are going to do this. All right. Oh, it's I've decided this Daddy for and John. Yeah. I've decided this for the two of you. All right. I'm ready. Okay, I'm the director. Daddy and John, here we go. You have to get your straight face on here, man. Come on. Get with the times. No <sighs> laughing. I know it's hard, but you laugh, you lose. <laughs> you can kill your enemies, John said bluntly. But can you rule your friends? If we let your people pass, are you strong enough to make them keep the king's peace and obey the laws? Whose laws? The laws of Winterfell and King's Landing? Mance laughed. <laughs> when we want laws, we'll make our own. You can keep your king's justice, too. And your king's taxes. 
I'm offering you the horn, not our freedom. We will not kneel to you. How funny, like, obviously we don't know if this horn will do anything, and you should definitely be wary of it, but, like, that's a lot to, uh, to let through just for a fucking piece of doot doot. Doot doot. Yep. <laughs> Um, I don't know. And then it's just like party south of the wall. <laughs> right? Like, that's some bullshit trickery. Oh like, God. that's like rumbled stiltskin, you know? Like, what? <laughs> they come waltzing through the wall, Earth, Wind, and Fire's playing, and they're just like, here we go! Oh my God. Uh, Earth, Wind, it's and just, Fire's like, the giants on horn for like hours. <laughs> if the Night's Watch refuses this deal that Mance is giving them, in three days' time, Torwin will blow the horn of winter, Mance says. That's the threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where ba- Matt wants to d- have this discussion. I know that you're saying uh, you feel that Mance and John have a lot in common. Do you want to do that here? Do you want to do that later? What 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 does your heart tell you? Ah, oh, anywhere around here. Because, yeah. like, here's good, especially with, like, that discussion of, like, can you rule your friends and, like, whatever. Yep, totally. Um, yep. If you want to drop those thoughts now or if you want it later i i leave you you're in charge of your own fucking story Ooh, i feel so much freedom here compared to scott um he tells me exactly what to say and when to say it does he really <laughs> is no, scott your daddy <laughs> <laughs> only when i want him to be oh um it's interesting though to look at these two and compare them uh you know there comes that point where Mance says, you know, I've got enough men here. We already talked about this. I could totally, I could send my men. We could send my mammoths. We could dig out the gates of the castles you've abandoned. We could do it all at, I have enough people to do that all at once. I could go to every castle and do that and we could take it over. And John says, well, why, why don't you? Um, and it notes that he could have pulled out his sword and, and killed him at that point. So I don't know if Mance was like refilling hmm. his beverage or something, but he <laughs> said he wanted to hear what the wildling had to say. And what does Mance say? He says, blood. I'd win in the end, but you'd bleed me, and my people have bled enough. Um, and that's where John and Mance kind of converge, where they come together, is that they're looking out for their people. Mance doesn't want to be king for king's sake. You know, He, he said he kind of makes fun of the fact that he's the king beyond the wall. He's not out to rule. He's out to unite these people and save them. That's what he wants to do. Same thing with John. He's not out to become the Lord Commander. He's not out to, he's not necessarily trying to turn cloak and betray people and do all this stuff that Alistair and Janos are accusing him of. He's just out to save people. And, uh, that's the motivation that it comes down to in the end with these, with these guys. And there's lots of other stuff coming into John too with him wanting to, to do right by his father and Lord Eddard or Lord Eddard and everything. But in the end, it's just about saving as many people as you can. And it's amazing how simple that is. But usually those core motivators are the most simple. And that's what it is. He vow, they both value life and, uh, Appreciate that about those two. Appreciate it. It, it makes me think of, uh, you know, the free folk and how they want to keep their freedoms and they don't want to kneel to anyone. And obviously we have Rob as king of the north and cattle and urged him, you know, like, it's time, you know, make this whole compromise Mance and John came to. They're like, look, we're bleeding. You're bleeding. We can't keep doing this. Let's stop. Good rulers would stop and renegotiate mm-hmm. and shake hands and say, this is what needs to be done for the people. 
Um, you look at the Dance of the Dragons and all that bloodshed and totally. I'm very, uh, everyone knows how I'm very, uh, you know, I just think that maybe they should just shut the fuck up and married each other and gotten it done with because they owed it to the realm. Like, that's what they should have done from the very start. It sucks and it's bullshit. It should have been in Rhaenyra's name and Aegon could have been like, it could have been a matrilineal marriage between the two it could have been matrilineal and Aegon doesn't have the line continue from him it goes from Rhaenyra but they should have because it was for the people like you should not have been yeah. doing that the dance of the dragon is no... a perfect example Chloe perfect yes. love it there's just all that bleeding and so I feel like I don't know I feel like something in like you know cattle and urge robs Neil you know like she she was great with the guidance just like Eliana was just saying she's definitely somebody that we saw advising politically and John is probably, this isn't the last time he'll do that. He'll kneel, you know, to power and say that. But also, I do feel like Mance really should understand, obviously, he has to kneel a little bit, too, in this compromise, which mm-hmm. he does get, we do yeah. get to that eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he's being cocky right here. Good for him, though. He is, yep. Yeah. yeah, they both want the same things. And that's the title of a Craig Finn record. Craig Finn's my favorite songwriter of all time. And uh, they want the same things, which is life. They want their people to live. Mm-hmm. Good leaders recognize that. And both good leaders um, have similar challenges. Like I like this line. Um, I, I like all the similarities that you've pointed out in terms of their motivations of what they want. But I, a challenge with all that is then, can you rule your friends as John mm-hmm. asks? Because he's asking it of Mance and we don't see that answer on Mance's part because of the way that his storyline ends up going. So we don't get that answer for him, especially we kind of have an answer in that Mance is like, I don't give a fuck. Like we're going to do whatever we want, whatever. And, uh, and John though has to actually deal with this himself and answer this question himself when he becomes Lord commander in a few chapters. And so John's actually absolved himself of killing Mance at this point. Isn't and is instead now focus on like, all right, we're going to destroy the horn. Fuck this compromise. And then what is this? It's another horn. That's what it was. The right horn? That's the That'd horn, be cool right? if the horn sounded like that. That's pretty much yeah. that's what every Stannis fan on the internet thinks that horn sounds like. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scat's gonna be like that. We should get that for when Scat comes up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Please do, guys. Oh my gosh, that would be so awesome. <laughs> I will. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah, they uh, they prepare for the onset. John is like, I don't really know what's going on. Is this like people from Eastwatch? What's happening? And Veramir looks ahead to see who it is. Men on horses in steel and black ride to them. Mance accuses John of it being his brother's, but John is just as surprised as he is. A scout comes rushing to them as the camp has been put into a panic. They're preparing for battle. He shouts there's an entire host of iron men coming toward them. Mance begins to form different ranks, and he tells them to keep an eye on John. If he runs, rip out his throat. Yeah. Yeah. John then tries to reach the Horn of Winter. Uh, He's like, this is my chance. And then Verabir's like, nope. And then turns out his animals are guarding him and Vermeer's over here murmuring like banners. He heard Vermeer murmur, I see golden banners. Oh, a mammoth lumbered by trumpeting a half dozen bowmen in the wooden tower on its back. The king, no. And then the skin changer threw back his head and screamed. 
We have Vermeer falling to the ground, writhing, and so is his shadow cat, high in the sky, and then the eagle is flying even higher and burning. You know, as Chloe says, is this butterfly foreshadowing? I don't, I, I don't know. The language here is interesting, especially coupled with the discussion of Egret earlier, and Torment says of Egret, well, the hottest fires burn out quickest, which of course mm. is reminiscent of Daenerys, who comes to Westeros very much as fire incarnate, fire and blood, right? Bride of fire. And then the line that's used to describe Faramir slash Oral's eagle burning is, For a heartbeat it flamed brighter than a star, wreathed in red and gold and orange, its wings beating wildly at the air as if it could fly from the pain. Higher it flew and higher and higher still. And the flying from pain is like what gets me. I know that we're obviously discussing John right now, but it feels reminiscent of this idea of Daenerys encountering so much of that isolation and continuing to fly higher, continuing to burn hotter, and I think you're right, but I think I it's know. a double layer of foreshadowing because mm. it's some it, it has to go somewhere that actually will then also foreshadow Danny, which is Stannis. Mm. Mm. All Tell that me. language is very Stannis. So you're looking at it flamed brighter <gasps> than a star, wreathed in red and gold and the- orange. It fly. It was flying higher and higher from pain. Like it flies high, high, high until it's gone. And then the vision he sees of the king wreathed, mm-hmm. wreathed in the wreathed crown the of red and gold and orange. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so also the Proudwing story. Who's? I mean, the burb. Proudwing, the bird. Oh, yes. But no, Stannis I was just giving you shit. How dare you, Eliana? I was just giving How you shit because everyone talks about Proudwing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Also a burb. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. Stannis has a lot of Danny foreshadowing stuff going on. So I think you're right via that. That was yeah. my only, like, I wanted to give my edit to your idea. I don't know that it's, like, exactly foreshadowing, but the language of it yeah. just feels so emotional and feels the same way as those two characters yeah. do to me. It feels very prophecy-ish, right? Yeah. Brighter mm. than a star. The flame yes. of star. That's, that's, that's so Targaryen-ish. With the comet in the last book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Higher it flew and higher and higher still. It makes me think of Danny flying away on Drogon. Yeah. yeah. At the end of Dance. The or higher, higher, higher. Becoming more isolated as, you know, mm-hmm. things go awry around her and... and it's it's difficult. Sometimes people withdraw and become more isolated when they're feeling pain instead of a being able to find those support networks around them or confiding in other people. And that that's just humanity. Yeah, it's a huge humanity. I'm in Manderley. Oh my god! So Val runs out of the tent at all this din. Wondering what's happening, where Mance was, and John's like, he just went into battle, and she's like, no, he can't be, it's just begun, and John's like, yeah, I just saw him put on his fucking crazy-ass raven helm, and he is out there in the battle, and she's like, no, the birth, it just began, the birth just began, Dalla is in labor. Like, something is peaking right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's Uh. not the Molly. (laughs) Another crown. Isn't that what they call it when the child is being born, right? Crowning? Yeah, this is a different crowning. Oh my god. <laughs> I love you two so much. <laughs> luminaries. Woo luminaries. I feel so at home. <laughs> there will always be meat and meat at Girls Gone Cannon for you. Don't worry. Matt. Just just meat. Just meat for Matt. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but like, mead. you know, I didn't even think about this with regarding crowding until just now, but I was going to yeah. actually tie this whole thing of him being battle-born as reminding me of the birth of Daenerys, the storm-born as Stannis's mm-hmm. ships near Dragonstone, or the birth of Rhaegar. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. Simultaneously, right, with the death of much of his house burning at Summerhall. But it's also, in a way, you know, kind of a crowding, especially, you know, with Stannis again coming forward as paralleling with Daenerys's birth. But I don't think it means anything. It's just an interesting thing because it's another kind of prince, but not because blood doesn't mean anything when it comes to kingship amongst the wildlings. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I, I, It's an interesting crowning. Crowning! You're fired. Um, <laughs> the wildlings are breaking. Riders on horses are attacking and washing over them. They're coming from the forest, from the east, the northeast, the north. There's three columns of horse. They're glinting in steel. Not the men of the East Watch. Those had been no more than a line of scouts. An army. The king. John was as confused as the wildlings. Could Rob have returned? Had the boy on the Iron Throne finally bestowed himself? Oh, oh that'd John. be so cool. That'd be so cool if it was. Yeah, I know. But, it, it, but Rob's dead. He doesn't he know. He doesn't know! He doesn't know Rob's dead. Oh, it's gonna like, ugh. And that was the wolf last chapter. Oh my god. And then he, and then like with on top of Jor, oh John! It's done. John thought. They're breaking. The wildlings were running, throwing down their weapons. Hornfoot men and cave dwellers and thens and bronze scales. They were running. Mance was gone. Someone was waving Harma's head on a pole. Tormund's lines had broken. Only the giants on their mammoths were holding hairy islands in a red steel sea. The fires were leaping from tent to tent, and some of the tall pines were going up as well, and through the smoke another wedge of armored riders came, on barded horses. Floating above them were the largest banners yet, royal standards as big as sheets, a yellow one with long pointed tongues that showed a flaming heart, and another like a sheet of beaten gold with a black stag, prancing and rippling in the wind. Robert, John thought for one mad moment, remembering poor Owen. But when the trumpets blew again and the knights charged, the name they cried was Stannis, 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 Stannis. <laughs> we could do another take just in case. Stannis, Stannis, Stannis. John turned away and went inside the tent. Oh my god. It's all it's about good. options, I, I'm Chloe. I'm so glad there are options. God, so finally, the victory that Stannis wanted at the Blackwater has been erected. Why did you do this? Why are you like this in your words? (laughs) Big black horn. Um, I don't know. It wasn't really like a big victory in the long run, obviously. He didn't really win much. Like, he's literally going to a penal colony that doesn't have any sway in Westeros and no one takes seriously. Ha ha. And like, as we're going to learn, the Northmen aren't just going to flock to him. So, poor Stannis, doomed from the start. Mm-hmm. Our poor, sad, sullen boy. But <sighs> it is a start. Chance. Better luck next year. It is a start. Yeah. yeah. It is a start. It is. Like, this is a good Find a lane. Stannis has found a lane now that's different from everyone else's. Yeah. He's going for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah north to south. Yeah. His own kind of podcast. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. We kind of have to do that in a world saturated with podcasts now. We, <laughs> you got to find your lane and stay in it, right? <laughs> 
And Stannis oh has found Elaine. Uh, which is why we're presenting to you our new format, which is only going to talk about polka music and Stannis Baratheon. Polka music? Yep. Oh, polka music. I thought you meant music from Pokemon. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing to combine. We could do that. I mean, I was just listening to Viridian Forest the other day. Anyways. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not against it, is all I'm saying. I mean, it's an option. Okay. Well, how well, the tables have turned with the arrival of Stannis. Game changer. Have. I do like the way that they wrote this, though. You're all like, what the fuck is happening for two pages? I'm sure mm-hmm. that there were people who weren't me who were like, oh, it's obviously Stannis. And then it starts becoming more clear what it is. But I mean, I was like, whatever. I was not that guy. Yeah, I was, I was like, that guy. what's happening? Yeah. I think it's And I love that George waits. Like yeah. It is. Yeah. Because it's from John's POV. Yeah. yeah, your guts cool. are supposed to be like, what's happening? What's happening? And then mm-hmm. it clicks. And then it, there are like, I guess that eagle too, with that language, that it, mm. the, the color language kind of also talks about Stannis arriving in a way too. But uh, it, even if you don't like Stannis, this is a moment that you can be like excited. You know, it's an exciting moment. You're like, oh, Stannis is here. Holy shit. And it, it is exciting. Cause it's like you've been watching this character through Davos's eyes. Yeah. Uh, and finally, you're seeing it from somebody else, and you're seeing his arrival, and it was just a really cool moment. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Stannis is that, he's that wild card. Wild card. Showing up is. in this Oh moment. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, John do you have any, any, any thoughts? Yeah, what are your closing thoughts so, on uh It doesn't John have to be closing, Penn. it can open a discussion, whatever open, you yeah. want. Yeah. What are your What's opening your and slash or closing thoughts about this entire thing, coming back to it once more? I just keep coming back to the to that line we all want the same things and it's it's pretty heartbreaking this happens it's a theme throughout all the books is you've got these all these people that want the same thing which is survival and prosperity and if they would just work the together they could achieve that but instead they fight and they kill each other and I know that's a little dramatic and cheesy sounding but um Man, this is another perfect example of that, of people that really just want to survive on both sides of the wall, and because they get can't look past what's right in front of them, they, they end up just killing each other. And now we've got more of that right now. Like, these wildlings don't have to die right now at the hands of Stannis, but because they're the quote-unquote enemies, they're all getting slaughtered. And that just kind of sucks, even though there's this cool triumphant entry by Stannis, yeah. the, the toll it takes on on lives that are just trying to get away from these mystical killers it kind of sucks how's that for a downer yeah i i do think that's interesting that you are talking about how tinged this triumphant war is war entry is yeah because like john's not seeing it as triumphant he is a little in that he's kind of relieved he's like Oh shit, it's my gadget. Dodged a bullet card. there. <laughs> yeah, but also he's like looking at women and children screaming and and dying and being trampled in the chaos. So mm-hmm. it, it's... Yeah. no one wins at war. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> what is hey. that? It's it's rough too because of course the wildlings had to plan this big raid to come south. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. But 
they also aren't willing to abide by any of the laws once they get south. So Stannis was needed, obviously, to kind of rein that in and actually help broker that agreement, obviously, because if he wants this to be his realm, then he's got to figure out what to do with it, even the parts of it that aren't really technically attached Mm -hmm. um, or the parts that have overflowed. So it's an interesting lesson for both John and Stannis as John kind of figures out how to deal with the wildlings living on this land or being people that they deal with daily, not just someone that he can like defect for a mini vacation uh, while he disassociates for a while. <laughs> yeah. And you brought up a good point that I was kind of ignoring is that the wildlings are going to, they can't have their cake and eat it too as well. Right. They're... Yeah. And they have, they've obviously unfortunately had to violently learn that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No one wins at war. Nope. There's no winning. All right. Man. All right. Well, we had such a blast with having you on, and it's a bummer we won't have you on next week, but we are going to oh. have your other half. You you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he will be very passionate, and he'll be like, no, this was a triumphant entry. <laughs> yeah, what do you expect us to, uh, what are some scatisms we're going to hear next week? What do okay. You predict it. S- so... Foreshadow it for us, Matt. <laughs> Foreshadow it. <laughs> I love Scott because a scad, excuse me. He's known around the fandom as scad. Um, I just call him Scott in the throes yeah. of passion. Oh, wow. Oh, my uh, God. So close. So intimate. So yeah. I can slip inside him and ride him. <laughs> oh, my God. What I love about scad is he's, he's one of the most thoughtful guys out there. And that's what I love about being doing a podcast with him is he he's very good at looking things for, looking at things from every angle. And then he gets uber passionate about it um usually his passion is demonstrated in the form of um what we call scad tankerousness <laughs> so oh. expect some scad tankerousness uh next episode you'll love it Good. just laugh at it it's he loves it when you laugh at his scad tankerousness oh my god okay so. So this was the horny episode, and next episode's the angry episode. <laughs> I, I was talking about the horn of winter. Yeah, I know. I knew exactly what you're sure. talking about. Not the double entendre of the lewdness. And Mance being my daddy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, oh my god, who's daddy? Right. Isn't yeah. he? You're gonna have you're gonna have a really thoughtful episode next episode as compared to my contributions. I'm excited so. to hear Eliana and him speak about things like stannis that'll be interesting. oh i am too I'm oh ready. i am too i think I i'm gonna wait. be like the the brook in this situation where i just mm. go oh mm, okay <laughs> just sit back and let him have it mm-hmm. will you guys yeah. include me on the call i'll just put myself on mute i promise <laughs> if you want I maybe yeah, I should think about it um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah we wanted it's weird because we no. like divided and conquered obviously we wanted to have we thought it would just be cool to have you on for one and him on for another Totally. And we like to split people up like that and keep you in the spotlight. You know, we want to hear one at a time oh. just because we can hear you guys together any day, any old mm-hmm. day, you know, mm-hmm. any day I can pull up some Davos fingers, but yeah. not, not always can you just pull up some Matt. Just cannon. one finger. Just give him yeah, a finger. One finger. Yeah. Just a finger. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. now there's going to um, be one finger. You can listen to one finger at a time. Yeah. Scott's the middle finger. <laughs> For obvious reasons. What are you? The index? The ring finger? I'm th- I'm the ring finger because oh you can you can dress me up pretty, but really I don't do all that much otherwise. Oh but, no, that's, yeah. not that's not true. <laughs> no, I. I was gonna ahead. say I wanted to bring up Brooke quickly just because you mentioned her, and 
something that I wanted to mention this episode and we, I never got to was how she calls Alistair and Janos a bag of dicks. They're both bags of dicks. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I miss right. her every day. She's yeah. right and she should say it. Yep. 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 But it's been an absolute pleasure. An absolute pr- pleasure. I... <laughs> I'm, I have, I've, it's like I've got Eliana on one side of my mouth, pulling up one side of my lips, and then I got Chloe on the other side pulling up. Please and smile. now my jaw hurts yeah. from the smiling. It's, it's been fantastic. So thank you both. No problem. Thank well, you for joining us. Come back soon. Mm-hmm. Thank you yes. so much for joining us. Let everyone know where they can find you on the internet again. Uh, Twitter, at Davos Fingers, DavosFingers.com, Facebook. Uh, patreon.com slash Davos Fingers and we are Davos Fingers at gmail.com Nice. Wonderful. Well, you guys, we will have next week for John 11 we are going to have the other half of Davos Fingers on. Uh, thank you again for joining us this week, Matt. If you guys want to subscribe to us on social media to get updates about this episode or the next episode or any episode, or if you just want to find out what our favorite LaCroix flavor is, that's been happening lately. Mm. Uh, (laughs) uh, Cucumber, blackberry, and peach pear, by the way, those are the two best flavors. Check it out at Girls Gone Canon on Twitter. Or if you want to pop us a message, you can send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Discuss the episode. Talk about your favorite horses in in the series. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, we can talk about an American tale even. Or you can also subscribe to us and keep up with whenever a new episode comes out over on Google Play, on iTunes, on Podbean, on Acast, on Spotify, on Stitcher, and the other one that I don't remember that someone told us we were on. We still don't know. We don't know. We didn't it didn't we didn't do it eventually. It was just there. And we're like, alright, that's awesome. Love it. I'm fine, whatever. Yeah. Isn't Take that weird? Content. Yeah, <laughs> all over the map. Girls gone mapping. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> you can also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash girlsgodcanon. Uh, we did just put out an episode on mentorship in A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, we tried a couple other titles out. We workshopped them. They didn't work. It was just... actually a 45-minute process before the episode, and then we just went really back was. to mentorship. Yep. So... We were like, what should we call it? And we're like, the simple's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But check it out. $5 and up on Patreon. Get special episodes monthly. Uh, You'll be able to catch up on episodes early if you join some of the other tiers. And lots of other fun goodies happening there. Patreon.com slash Girls Gone Canon. And of course, we have another book series that we are rereading. And a new episode will have just dropped this week as well of His Dark Materials. Another trailer has just come out for the upcoming season. No release date yet, but our episode will have released. Allegedly. Scholastic wrote something in a thingy that went out publicly that said it was November. But that's not a date. That's not a date. Cool. It's a, a month. date to me. There's a whole like 30 days. <laughs> chapter could drop three, on. Chapters 3 <laughs> through 6 of the Northern Lights and the Golden Compass came out this week. Check it out. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. You can find me on the internet as Liza Arbor. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. And you can find me on the internet. If you look. Maybe. If you listen closely. If Whisper of the heart. Carefully. Oh my god, goodbye. Goodbye, guys. (laughs) Bye.